Well, hello, race fans. Welcome again to the EKN Radio Network. We are here with another one of our Operation Grassroots podcasts, a new show that we have on the radio network here for 2018. This is the second episode. We've just been getting things rolling with this particular part of the EKN Radio Network, but really, it's our opportunity to focus on grassroots racing, and t- specifically for us, at least at eCardi News, the 206 Briggs program. We're seeing what it's doing all over the country, in Canada as well. You know, you've seen probably on the website as well that it's going to be growing into Italy with the CRG program. It's you're, we talked about David Klaus uh, heading over to Germany for one of the uh, the trade shows. We have a, a a Fast Five interview we did with him that's going to be coming out on that. The 206, just such a great program, has kind of pressed the reset button on grassroots karting around the country, really eventually potentially around the world. And we're thrilled to do it. It's a great part of our program. And this new Operation Grassroots podcast, a big part of the EKN Radio Network. The podcast, as always, brought to you by Briggs and Stratton. And my, my guest for today, again, my name is Rob Howden. Let's, let's set that out first from eKarting News. Uh, my guest for today, the president of the South Florida Karting Club, uh, Mark Julian. Mark, first off, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks, man. Excited. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your program because, you know, uh, it was actually Dave Klaus that said, hey, listen, you need to look down in uh, South Florida. They got this cool program going, which is essentially starting a 206 deal on the grassroots level from nothing. Essentially, everybody came together and said, hey, let's do something here. More more likely saying probably that you brought everybody together, Mark, but uh, a new series uh, based at AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex presented by, uh, by uh, MG Tires down at the Homestead track. Uh, all new, all Briggs 206 Club Series. You launched it last year in 2017. Essentially, when we had talked before, trying to rebuild grassroots racing in South Florida. It's just a really, really cool story of the whole low, you know, the low cost of entry, affordable racing, how it can build a program. But this one's kind of pretty unique, isn't it, Mark? The way you guys kind of got things started. Let's let's begin by I'll open the floor up for you. And you can kind of tell us about the South Florida Karting Club a little bit and, and how it actually took place. When you and I talked initially, I was uh, I was really intrigued by the story. Basically, it started from uh, just a need for uh, people to come out and race. So I was an avid kart racer. And over the years, I've slowly seen the field dwindle. And I was racing tag and, and taking a look at shifter. But there was really not a lot of competition. So you'd go out to a race. On a Sunday or a Saturday, you'd race against four other guys. And, uh, you know, you got podium out of four. is not at all impressive, and it really doesn't push you to become any faster. So really in, in South Florida, and I would probably say all of Florida, you either had very few people at the local races, and then you had to jump to the big races and spend a fortune where you never knew how well you were going to do. And uh, certainly it cost you a lot of money. So I, I sort of went through 2016 thinking, man, there's got to be something we've got to be able to do in order to, to get people um, either back out or, or at least interested in the sport. And in 16, you know, that uh, there was a huge battle between all the engines and, um, you know, Rotax basically collapsed and disappeared. So it frustrated people even more uh, that now they had nobody to race against in their category because in South Florida, we basically had rock engines, we have IAMI, and then we had Rotax, and the tracks didn't want them to race against each other. So you might go out at the same time, but you weren't scored the same. So you'd be one guy, one Rotax, two Rocks, and two Iamis, and it made no sense. So originally, my platform was, guys, how do we get together? How do we 
you know, we'll put all the engines on a dyno, we'll figure out what it is, then we can do some weights, we can do some testing, and we'll get it to a point where no matter what engine you have, you can race head-to-head, and you're going to be scored in the same group. So at least we can get people who have engines to come out and race. And um, that was fruitless. I, I could not get... The tracks had, you know, every reason for it not to work and that won't happen and this guy's going to be pissed off and based on history. So uh, at one point in the fall of, uh, of 2016, I said, we, you know, we got to do something because the sport's dead and I'm either just going to stop racing uh, or I got to do something. So I uh, got two of the tracks, Palm Beach and Homestead, to get together. And that was basically with Wagner from um, from Lacan Tires, who said, you know, why don't we try and get everybody in a room and maybe we can hash something out. So uh, I said, great, let's do it. So we put a few people in a room and it just so happened that uh, Rudy from Rice Racing, who has a small track, uh, Miami GP, uh, just a little rental track. So he came as well. And we all sat down and to my amazement, it was the very first time that all three track owners had actually sat in the same room to discuss the sport in South Florida. Wow. So, Isn't that incredible? It was mind-boggling. It was mind-boggling. Yeah. As a businessman, I'm like, I can't believe they're not even in the same territory. So they're really not competition. And if they could team up to build the sport, like, why not all work together? So everyone kind of agreed, yeah, we got to do something. And uh, I proposed my my idea of having everyone kind of race against each other. And again, that was met with, well, it's not doable. And there was a million different reasons why. And uh, so then Rudy suggested, you know, why don't we try and create this 206 platform? And um, my point was like, how do we get the platform to exist, go from zero to 60 within like the first two races? Because if we just suggest this platform and you have two guys, three guys, it's going to be boring. Nobody's going to want to do it. And I don't think the sport has like two or three years to try and build something uh, that's fun. So Rudy and I decided, why don't we, why don't we buy some chassis and we'll do an arrive and drive program. So that's what we did. He bought six, I bought six. So we had 12, 206 chassis. We talked to a couple of other teams to see if guys were interested in doing it. We were met with resistance because we said it's 300 bucks. Show up, get in the cart. We don't do any you know adjustments to it, but basically we make it run and you'll go out there. You're going to race for 300 bucks. You do your five sessions and that's the day. And um, so we did in our very first race, we had 22 um, carts show up, which was so you had, awesome. so you had you had your rentals. Plus, you had 10 more guys come out and play as well. Yeah, we had some random guys that just sort of said, hey, I heard about the race. Can I come? We're like, absolutely. Like so it. they came out and right. 22 the very first race. It was a huge success. We were blown away. We had two different weight classes. For us, as far as the team owners go, to make life easier, we did a spec gear ratio. So it was 15-55 and a 15-56, depending on the weight group, medium and heavy. We only had two groups. So we didn't have to worry about changing sprockets and doing all that kind of stuff. It was really just fill the tank with gas, make sure you strap the weights onto the cart. And the guys were happy and they ran all day. So the very first race, huge success. It was the biggest field uh, at, at Homestead that they'd seen in you know years. So 22 guys, the next race, I think we got to 35 and then it built to 42. Wow. And then we got to 49 and we did five races. And uh, each race... We either we had almost fifty the last race. I think we had forty nine, and then two guys didn't show. Whatever the case was, we basically almost got to fifty in five races. So since then, we've started to sell a lot of carts and get chassis out there, and people have become interested in owning their own because they're relatively inexpensive, and we still support them. So Rudy supports them, I support them, and finally we have some other teams that have now realized that charging somebody seven or eight hundred bucks or a thousand bucks for a club race 
is going to get you one guy, whereas you can make a lot more money if you can get 10 guys to come out at 300 bucks a pop. That's three grand, and you don't have to do a lot of work. These The engines are low maintenance. You just take care of the clients, make sure they have a good time, and that everyone has a lot of fun. And so uh, this year, we're, we're hoping we're going to have a much larger field. We've sold, between Rudy and I and uh, some of the other teams, we've probably sold maybe 35 carts. So... We're, we're expecting fields, you know, between 50 and 60 every single race, which is uh, that's big. coming that's weekend. Now, let's, let me ask you a question here. Obviously, you're, you're seeing some growth. You're seeing new people come into the sport. Where are these racers coming from for the South Florida Karting Club? You know, what kind of experience level are you getting? We have a lot of really experienced guys. So probably half of the field were guys who ran shifter or tag for years and then decided it was too expensive. So they just slowly but surely got out or two, they got tired of, you know, they didn't have a place for their cart anymore. So like, where do I put it and buying all the gear and the tools, they just didn't want that. So you have experienced guys who are basically coming back saying, I'll pay you 300 bucks, no problem to come out and race and have a good time. Or you have a lot of guys from indoor that have really come out and decided they want to experience something outside. Whereas before rental tracks and you paid 25 bucks a pop. Or you bought your own cart and you went into tag and you spent, you know, 500 bucks, 600 bucks for a day of racing, you know, between your tires and your fuel and all that kind of stuff. So really what we've sort of found is like there's a middle ground there where for $300, people are more than happy to spend that. They come out and they experience the outside. And once they've come outside, they can't, they find it hard to return back to an indoor track. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about the barrier of entry, Mark, and that's what that is, right? That that if someone comes out of indoor karting and you show them that a, a used cart is seventy thousand dollars or it's ten grand for a new tag cart, it's a sticker shock that they just say, Wow, that's that's not within my you know, realm of possibility. But at three hundred dollars for a race day outside, like you said, it's such a different experience. Indoor racing is fun, but when you're outside going wheel to wheel like you are at a car track, it's just such a different experience. Uh, but to remove that barrier of entry and to get it down to three hundred dollars, and even to buy a new cart at four grand for a two hundred six, I think that's obviously something that could that can stem a lot of growth. Uh, stick with us; we got more to come after this break. Uh, I'm talking to Mark Julian here from the South Florida Karting Club, a huge success story in terms of building a two hundred six program from the ground up. For over a century, Briggs and Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing. What powers you? Quality, innovation, and a commitment to success. That's TB Cart USA. Within a sea of mainstream chassis, TB Cart USA is taking the American karting market by storm, winning races all over the country. We have a full lineup of chassis for all categories, beginning with our kit and cadet carts. For Yamaha and Tag, we offer our S55 line of chassis. And for the shifter drivers, our TB Cart S197 is the perfect fit. If you're a Briggs 206 racer, you need our purpose-built four-cycle chassis that's based on our proven TB Cart S55 geometry. If you're looking for a team to race with, give us a call. We offer all levels of support, local and national events. We are here to help get you your personal racing program to the next level. 
Team TB Cart USA is here to work with you in achieving your goals. For more information, check us out online at www.tbcartusa.com. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. We have an incredible lineup of K1 karting suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 karting gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. Welcome back to episode number two of the Operation Grassroots, presented by Briggs & Stratton. It's talking with Mark Julian, the president of the South Florida Karting Club. Mark, obviously, you know you gave us some of the numbers from the 2017 season. To me, it's just amazing to hear that you had 22, and then you know once the steamroll starts going, people want to come out and race and race. Can you talk a little bit? You know, we, we mentioned Rice Racing. Uh, I don't think we brought up TB Cart USA. I think that's the chassis that you bought, uh, Farshag Bagheri and his crew. What were the other teams that kind of came in to to offer more of a platform? You know, two teams is, is great, but if you can get four, five, six shops on board, really it does start to push the momentum quicker. Right. So we right now we have uh, a team that predominantly does Burrell, which is Canto Racing. We have International Racing. They have Tony Carts. Risa has uh, predominantly Burrells, but he also does the Rigetti chassis. And then we're doing um, a TB. So really, there's there's sort of four groups, and then there's you know there's a couple of smaller guys that are involved, and uh, I think as we go, the nice thing to see is really it's going sort of back to like we talk about grassroots, but you're really seeing a lot of guys who have you know I've sold two cars to two guys who basically together they they buy themselves a little trailer and they come out and they're not affiliated with any team, they just want to come and have fun and go karting during the week when they can, and they come out to the races, and that's really what you know, my goal was to sort of bring it back to just basic. You don't need to spend a fortune. You don't have to be on a big fancy racing team. There's very little you can do to the engine. I mean, you could, but if you're going to stay within the rules, there's very little you can do. So it's really just a driver sport. So you can watch YouTube videos, figure out how to set up your chassis and then just go out and race and have a good time. And that's what we're sort of seeing progress. It's not so much big teams getting bigger and bringing in, you know, huge tractor trailers with tents, we're getting a lot more guys with, you know, one and two guys showing up in a small little trailer or in the back of a pickup truck and, and having a great day. And that's really what we wanted to see happen. Let me ask you this. What, uh, what do you think you potentially learned as a, as a promoter or as a club president last year? You know, you kind of dove into the deep end with this deal. You, you, you put your money where your mouth is, which I, I'm very impressed. And you have my respect for that, for, for actually going out and buying the chassis and, and getting this thing going. But what did you learn from your first foray into this deal? You know, I think that the biggest challenge that we had were the naysayers, right? So you have a sport that's slowly dwindled over the last, let's say, five years. And so predominantly, it was always met with good luck, 
that's never going to work. It's never going to happen. People are, oh, yeah, sure. You know, your first event was big, but your second event is going to get worse. You know, so you have a lot of negative people. And if you if you buy into it, you can very easily convince yourself it's not going to happen. And maybe ignorance is bliss or whatever. But I just figured, you know, Rudy and I, we would cheer each other on and we'd be like, let's do it, man. Let's let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. And, you know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it really, to me, it made no sense. I guess it became easy. I didn't really have to convince myself because that's how I started. I did with my company. Uh, I brought all my employees to a go-kart track at Palm Beach. We had a great day. And then one of my employees said, hey, you know, there's a thing they have here that's organized. It's like victory carts. You know, why don't we do that? I said, yeah, sure. So we signed up and we did that for six months. Every Wednesday night, we'd go race, and we had a blast. And then we said, well, what's the next step? And everyone was like, oh, the next step is you got to buy this really expensive cart, and then you got to get a trailer, and you got to get this and the parts. I'm like, I don't know how to work on any of these carts and engines and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I have a clue. And we just happened to run into a guy who rents them out. And so we started renting with him, and slowly we've sort of built our way up. And now, I obviously, I have a team and a trailer and all that stuff. But initially, that was my train of thought when I was setting up the club is, how do we go get the guy who said that was really fun to go do my rental? Yeah. There must be a, something a little more competitive because this thing's a little slow. Like, where do I go now? And I think we lose uh, as a whole, as the industry, I think we lose a lot of people who love competition, want to come out and do something, don't want to spend a fortune, but they'll spend some money and they want to have a great time. Like, how do we uh, get those people? And that was really the main initiative is like, we got to get the people who left and new people to come into the sport. Otherwise, everyone's fighting over the same dollars. And it just, it never works. Yeah, you know, I mentioned the term barrier of entry. And of course, when I, when I say that, initially I talk about the cost factor. But you mentioned straight up there, you had your own trepidation about not knowing enough about the carts itself, right? The technical side of it. I think a lot of people shy away from, hey, I don't know anything about engines. I don't know anything about chassis setup. And to be able to have that team atmosphere or as you guys have set up where you don't have to change anything. You're not changing gear. You're not, you know, you're not making a lot of changes of the car. You're just getting in, you're getting in the cart, you're having fun. And I think that's the other barrier of entry that we get, we can scare people away because even though it's karting and it's this pure form of motorsports, it still does have technical aspects that scare some people away. I think that's a, I think that's a key point. Right. It's as technical as you want it to be really. So a lot of my drivers, I set up my chassis in a nice sort of neutral way. They come in, they drive, they have a blast. And then after they kind of go like, is there stuff we can do? I said, yeah, there's a million things we can do. But, you know, you're going to have to spend a little bit more money so I can get you a mechanic or at least we can work on the car or we got to go practice to, to figure that stuff out. But you can still have a great time without, you know, putting on your sniper and changing the front and the back and dropping the axle. Like, you don't need to do all that. You can if you want, but you really don't need to. And that's the beauty of it is that a lot of guys just come out, sit down, and they're fast. And they go out and have a great time. And it's not always about winning as long as they're dueling. So you, if we have, we have 22, I think in the last race, we had 22 guys in the medium class so no matter where you are, you're having a great time. You're doing wheel to wheel. You're having a blast. Maybe you're not in first place, but you could be in ninth battling with six other guys for that position. I mean, how much fun is that? It's a blast. I mean, that's what it's all about. I've, I've always said that you're only going to race with a group of people anyways. You could be racing for the lead. You could be racing for 28th, but you're still in the middle of that battle. And that's really the purity of the sport. Now, let's let's move into 2018 let's give you you know armed with the knowledge of what you learned last year everything you put together this year you guys have made some significant changes and i think the momentum you had with more drivers coming and more interest and more carts you guys are adding new classes for this year as well talk about what you guys have planned for the south florida karting club in 2018 right so 2018 we start uh, may 20th is our first of six races but amr has been awesome Eric has been a huge supporter of ours. So he's tried to carry the same rules that we have 
for our six race series. And this year we've added two more classes. So we've added junior and we've added uh, a cadet class. So now we have a heavy class, which is not geared towards age. So you could be 25 years old. And if you want to load your cart up with weight or you happen to be a heavier kid, you can race in the group because we didn't want it to be all based around age and think that like the heavy guys are the masters of the old timers. We wanted the master or the heavy group to be equally as competitive. It just means they're a little bit heavier. So that's what I run in. And uh, I'm just as competitive as a 15-year-old. So uh, we have our heavy group. We have our senior group. And then we put in a junior class and we've, we have a cadet class, which at our first race just at Homestead um, earlier this year, we, we had five cadets and we had four juniors for the very first time out, which was awesome. And we're expecting more this weekend. Uh, we're going to have a lot more people. I've sold two cards, two cadet cards. So I think even parents who have kids that are running Swift or, you know, running the mini rock are realizing the kids are having a great time running the 206 and it's costing them a little bit less money and the kid gets great seat time. <laughs> so they come out for a few extra bucks. They're their kids on the track twice in a race, which is awesome as opposed to just running one class. Well, I'm really excited to see what happens on, on May the 20th. We got one more break here. We're going to come back and talk again uh, with Mark Julian from the South Florida Carding Club. Stick with us here on the EKN radio network. It's a new decade and a new era for the premier winter series on the West coast. The Challenge of the Americas is entering its 11th season and is breaking new ground with its move to the Rock Cup program. Vortex is among the leaders in innovation in the sport of karting. Add in the Bridgestone Tire program, and the Challenge of the Americas is racing with the powerhouses in the motorsports world. Briggs and Stratton is back for 2018, and the 206 junior and senior classes are being offered, with racers competing for impressive weekend prizes. The series begins on January 26th to 28th in Phoenix and then returns to the Cal Speed Karting Center in Fontana, California a month later on February 23rd to 25th. The champions will be decided in wine country as the Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma will be the site of the final rounds on April 13th to 15th. Champions in the Rock categories will be awarded trips to the Rock Cup International Final in October at the famed South Garda Karting Facility in Italy. Head over to ChallengeCarding.com for more information on the 2018 Challenge of the Americas. Let's rock! Praga, Formula K, Aero, and now Kart Republic. You can get them all from Kartsport North America. Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on-site at GoPro Motorplex, Kartsport North America features over 6,000 square feet of retail space. We offer full retail sales, cart service and storage, and the top brands in the sport, such as CZ Chain, Talon Sprockets, SKF Bearings, and Prisma Tire Gauges. We are now an importer and distributor for Dio Chiesa's new Cart Republic chassis, a cart that is taking the world by storm. Lorenzo Travisanuto won the Scusa Winter Series X30 Senior title on a Cart Republic, and our own Brandon Jarsakrak won in his very first weekend on the chassis. Don't get left behind. If you want to take your racing to the next level, we have driver training and coaching programs available, trackside at GoPro Motorplex. We have a massive inventory, so head to our online store at www.cartsportna.com to get same-day shipping of the parts and components you need. While you're there, check out our used section of carts, engines, parts, and accessories. Cartsport North America, 
top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development. Give us a call today. Okay, let's wrap up this second edition of the Operation Grassroots brought to you by Briggs & Stratton, talking with Mark Julian, the president of the South Florida Karting Club. Let's wrap this thing up right now, Mark, and kind of come up with maybe your final thoughts. Um, you know, what you guys have been able to do, the growth you're seeing is similar to what we saw in California at the Tri-C, or rather the Tri-Cities Kart Club. Um, you know, they had a, the club that wasn't sure what was going on. They were trying to figure out how to develop. They brought the 206 in and it exploded. It became this thing that really allowed them to come back to prominence with all the different categories in 206. They have a spec class for the VLR chassis as well. You guys are doing some great things in Florida, and I think it's something that people can model their club off of or parts of their club or maybe get some advice from you. If I were to ask you, what advice could you give to tracks or clubs potentially looking to do the same thing? Maybe you know, buying a, a rental fleet to offer affordable programs like you did for the client base. Uh, would you have, now that you've done it, is there any additional thing you would add to this? Yeah, the first thing I think to, to help grow the sport and at least get people interested is you've got to have some sort of arrive and drive program. So for us, it, it was 300 bucks. For somebody else, it might be 500 bucks. It, it doesn't really, it's irrelevant. But you, I think you have to get one, your teams at the track to get involved and get them to buy into the program. And I'm sure they know people who have quit just because maybe they didn't want to spend the money. So I would really work with the local teams to have an arrive and drive program, even if you have eight chassis or 10 chassis that are available and you can get people out already. You've already got, you know, a heads up start. Then the second is, you have to because a lot of the teams that are, are going to get involved are used of pushing the limits and I'm not going to say cheat, but are basically pushing the limits of everything. And they have to remember that the 206 class is really a class for the driver. So don't mess with the engines, keep it legal, and you've got to have a great tech at the track to make sure that he's catching people that cheat because that's the first thing that's going to kill it because people see that guy faster. Why is that guy quicker than me? He's got a better setup. He's got this and that. And it really should just be the guy's just quicker because he's a better driver. He's smoother. Mm -hmm. He's faster because the engines are really identical. So you really have to police the track to make sure that even if people aren't cheating, that the, I guess the thoughts and the words and the rumors out there that people are cheating can really kill it very quickly. And you've got to get you've got to get manufacturers involved. You know, we've been really lucky to get TB Cart has been uh, it was immediately uh, involved in uh, the program and wanted to be part of it. They have a two hundred six chassis, so they've helped promote. They've donated a chassis last year. They're going to donate another one this year. Next Seats is also uh, one of our sponsors. Last year we had Lacan Tires. This year we have MG. So you have to get the manufacturers. They have to understand that like their industry needs the, the help of everybody, right? So we all have to get together to make it better. And so a couple of sets of tires here, a couple of sets of tires there, an Alfano lap timer. It doesn't take much, but it helps and adds to the fun and gets people excited. And obviously Briggs has been a huge supporter and they've been awesome with prizing and all sorts of stuff. So um, that's what I would suggest to people is you got to get the teams to work together. You got to get the industry involved and you've got to make sure you really police it to keep it fair and to keep it even and to keep it fun. So your first race, May the 20th. How about we uh, get, give you the opportunity to kind of, do you guys have a website? What, what's the Facebook page? Let's make sure people can connect with you. Whether they're listing down in South Florida right now or anywhere in Florida and want to come and race with you guys, or maybe they just want to connect with you to, to find out what you did to try to grow the 206 grassroots movement around the country. Uh, what are ways that they can connect with the South Florida Karting Club? So they can go on, uh, we're on Facebook at South Florida Karting Club, or they can actually uh, go online to uh, soflokc.com, so soflokc.com, 
and it has all of our uh, race information, the dates of everything that's going on in South Florida. And uh, if anybody wants to send me an email from there, go ahead, and uh, I'd be happy to help you uh, do what we did down here, or at least offer you some advice. Mark, you're pretty excited about May, May 20th. You're already getting the season underway. It sounds like the momentum is going to grow even more until you guys get ready to race in, in late May. We're pumped. We're really excited. It's going to be an awesome year. And uh, we hope that anybody that wants to come race uh, lets us know and you come on out, whether you're in Florida or anywhere across the country. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. There he is, folks. Mark Julian, the president of the South Florida Carding Club, and an absolutely intriguing uh, story of what they've been able to do to essentially grow the 206 program from absolutely nothing in South Florida to become what is now uh, a key program down at, uh, at AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex. Just a key program to be able to develop the sport, bring people back into karting as well, and get new people to come racing. And, and when we look at that, that's the kind of thing we need because we talk a lot about the pyramid of karting. There's that top pyramid, which is national, where people will spend a lot of money. There's the regional level. But you have to have the base of the pyramid, that strong foundation that allows karting to grow in so many different directions. We want to thank uh, Mark for joining us. And again, thanks, uh, Briggs & Stratton, for being a presenting sponsor of this Operations Grassroots Podcast. This has been another podcast on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>